0: What's up fellas, coming at you guys again the second time this week. Uh, if you didn't catch our first podcast, go check it out from the week. Um, go check out runthepower.com, we've got everything you guys need on there. Uh, our streamed videos, we've got everything from the podcast on there, we've got t-shirts that tell everybody that you like to run the power, that you get, that your linemen like to block, um, and then We've also got all of our summit videos on there as well. We've also got a new summit. Our second annual RTP summit is coming up at the end of February. So be sure and stay tuned for that and see where you can watch it live for free. Uh, Go to runthepower.com for everything you guys need. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, and it's been a game changer for us. We love the playbook tools allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes Uh, Obviously, you guys know plays like power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, and even some wide zone for us this year, uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive, which is what it's all about, especially in the offseason. They have a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, This offer has been extended but won't last forever. Um, So get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP, the best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Adam McKeldry. Coach McKeldry is the O-line coach at Valley High School in West Des Moines, Iowa. Listen as we talk with Coach about how he coaches the wide zone, their G-lead scheme, and how he develops his offensive linemen in the offseason. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach underscore Adam underscore Mac. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: I'm Adam McElderry. I'm the uh, offensive line coach at uh, West Des Moines Valley here in West Des Moines, Iowa, uh, home of the Tigers. Uh, ben you know, my playing journey actually started at uh, Valley. Uh, grew up here. I'm a third-generation Valley Tiger. Um, didn't really get into football until I was a little bit, a uh, little bit later in age because I was just uh, bigger than, bigger than everyone else. I actually played soccer until I was 13 years old, and then I finally was able to cross over. Otherwise, I would have had to play up a couple of uh, age, age gaps because uh, I was just bigger than everyone else. But Um, finally caught my stride, was getting at the right spot where everybody else was gaining on me size wise. And I just kept growing. So I was fortunate enough to play, uh, play all four of my years at Valley High School. Uh, head coach, there's coach Gary Swenson. He's been there for a long, long time. He was, you know, at that legendary status even before I came around as a player. Um, and I think that I came in at a very fortunate time in my playing career, uh, we had kind of been through that uh, that turning, the turning of the tide, where when Swenson came in, he'd start uh, implementing his system and what worked with our athletes, and uh, we were fortunate enough to win a number of state titles in the time I was there. Um, I was a part of one state title team and uh, one uh, state runner-up team my sophomore year. So my junior year, we won state. Um, senior year, kind of got uh got close made it to to the semifinals and we came up short there but uh yeah it was very very interesting uh kind of growing up in that atmosphere because you know like so many other kids when they see those uh successful programs they want to be a part of that and they see it when they're six seven eight years old on the sidelines they're like I want to be that guy so um you know just kind of bought into the program like like so many other kids throughout uh, high school football, and I was, I was a fortunate one. Uh, and then after high school football, I made my way to uh, Maryville, Missouri. I went to uh, Northwest Missouri State um, where I was a Bearcat for four years. Um, and again, timing was impeccable. Uh, by the time I had arrived on campus, Northwest had already had three straight trips to the national semifinal. And, uh, unfortunately all three of those trips came up short. And then my freshman year, we were, uh, poised to make another run at it. And we yet again, uh, for a fourth time, we made it to the national, uh, championship game, ended up coming up short. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was very, it was very interesting. You know, you come from two programs that are so um, so well known for their ability to compete for national titles and so it was just kind of like where how can we break through how could I you know contribute as an athlete and uh, it was my so there was two years actually we made it five straight trips to the national title game um, and we finally broke through yeah yeah I know right five straight times and it was the fifth time we finally broke through and we took one home we we'd been battling a Grand Valley State that turned into a peck of a rivalry between the two programs. And so we finally uh broke through. And uh I gotta if I'm being honest, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of times in a football player's life where they go through a humbling experience. Uh, you know, where they realize that they're they it's kind of that uh it's part of growing up, I think, when you're an athlete and even when you're a coach is the that whole idea of, well, maybe I'm not as good as some of these other guys. And so I played with a number of world class individuals, just great men. Um, and a lot of them are coaches now throughout the Midwest. Um, and I think we had, in the time I was there from 2007, uh, fall of 2007 to the our championship national title game in 2009, I think we had probably eight different guys, eight or nine different guys get some sort of All-American status just on the offensive line, um, which says a lot about the programs that they have there uh, very fortunate enough to have Mel Churchma as my, uh, as my head coach, um, just a fantastic upstanding individual who held his athletes to a very high, uh, standard. And he also wanted very physical players, very smart players, and he was able to bring them there. And so he's a very special man. He's a hall of famer for the college football. Uh, and yeah, I'd still go to war for that man today. So, um, that was playing career. Uh, didn't uh, get the opportunity uh, – well, I wasn't – I'll just be flat out, I wasn't as good as some of the other guys. So uh, after a while, I embraced my role just to contribute and help the team win as much as I could. Um, and I won't – I mean, that was a great experience for me because I learned a lot about myself, and I learned how to kind of work through all that. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of kids, um, at one time or another, they all go through that that whole um, – growth as an individual and you find out a lot about yourself, which was a positive and a positive thing for me. Um, after I graduated from Northwest Missouri state in 2012, um, came back home to West Des Moines, didn't really have much of a plan. Uh, all, first thing I did was I went to the weight room and started having a meeting with coach Swenson. I'm like, Hey, you know, you need, have a need for any help on the offensive line. He's like, absolutely. And we're always looking for, for extra bodies. And so um I actually worked as a, a classroom associate for about the first 5 years or so of my career and then I was coaching and working in the weight room that whole time so um got had a great opportunity to um look, just kind of be in the background and learn from uh my old offensive line coach uh Dave Cochrane you know he he'd been there since a, longer than coach Swenson and uh just kind of took a back seat and did whatever he told me to do and he was he was willing to give me some freedom and kind of like bring some of the stuff that I learned from Northwest in and different tricks and how we run both uh zone and gap schemes and just little nuances and so I I was very fortunate there um and then state I maintained that role for quite a while uh had the ability to spend my off season and my summers in the weight room with the kids um, and that was, that's always been a fun part for me because it's relationship building and, uh, it's really, a it's a very important part of how I, uh, operate as a coach. I think it's, I think relationships, any coach, any guy that you've had on here, any guy listening will tell you that it's all about the rapport that you can build with your players. Um, so off season weights has always been a fun time for me. And then, uh, once you get into the season, it's just go, go, go until the end. So um yeah, we've had some success at Valley. Uh we're always uh ha- there with a chance to compete. Um this year, you know, we we knew that we had a very special group of kids and we had an opportunity to make a run and we did. Um but unfortunately, we couldn't break through at the uh state championship game. Uh and, you know, those those boys unfortunately joined a very large fraternity of other high school athletes or high school football players who um ended their season on a loss and you know, that's, it's never easy. You never enjoy giving a, giving a kid who's crying a a hug, but you know, that's something that as a coach, you know that you, that you got to do to show that you appreciate each and every one of those athletes for what they've done and what they've sacrificed for you and for the program. So um, it's a little bit about my playing career, my coaching career. And right now I'm still loving every minute of it
0: well coach you you've kind of reached the the height of your um of where you were at as a player now and a coach and and uh, maybe didn't win it this year but you were at least there and then and then um won it and been there in high school and in college as, as a player what how is that feeling to you different or is it much different as a coach as opposed to a player
1: um you know i think that a lot there's a lot of similarities um as a player it's you know what what could i have done to prepare myself for that situation did i not um watch enough film did i not rep this did i not rep this particular block enough was it this or that you know it's a lot of those you know you go back and you really you know you try to pinpoint where that where you could have changed for the better and i think as a coach um it's all about preparation and did i do um did I do my job to make sure that these boys were prepared for every minute and you know as even as a player you know you can ask millions of questions and then as a coach it's you know you want to be able to answer all of them and there's just trying to balance all that out you know because sometimes paralysis by analysis um it just gets it gets uh gets to be a big part of it and so trying to get the boys as a coach trying to get the boys to play fast and Uh, be confident in what they do. And part of that is uh, how we build our scheme. But uh, yeah, I would say that the difference between a coach and a player, it's not much for me. Um, I would say that I'm a little more, calm about it as a coach because you have to be <laughs> mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, I know as a player you know if you were screwing up or if the if things weren't going well it's very you know you see it today even kids just love to they love to try and hype everyone up and they'd love to you got your screamers and then you got your non-screamers uh, the guys that are the doers and so I'd say as a coach I've kind of tried to progress into a doer and kind of how we uh, as an offensive line unit go through our preparation is how we prepare those kids and how we show our leadership for them so
0: yeah it's it's man so many so many ways that you can look at a game after losing it um you know even after winning it and, and you look at it and it's like well you know like you said did we did we have too much in and did we not have enough in uh did we practice the guys too hard they were tired did we not practice them hard enough did um and then sometimes you know the question has to be asked are they a lot better than us you know because in the end Having really good players, you're going to win some games, and having guys that aren't very good players, um, sometimes you're not going to win the games. And so, uh, it, you know, do you change your whole everything? Even though you you got so close, and but you know, you just got beat because you were going to have to be perfect with the players you had, and you weren't. Uh, you know, so it, it can be. I've lost every every season but one the last game. So it's uh, I'm right there with you, and it's always such a look back. What do we do? And now what do we have this year? And uh, was were these bad things or were they just things that happened? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a really interesting thought process, uh, going back through it.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, you know, that's why, you know, part of the reason that's kind of the penance that we have of such a long off season is that we can, now we can go back and watch film and we can just kind of crawl into the dark days of winter while we ask ourselves <laughs> those questions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> That that gets old though, man. I tell you what, you, you sit there and you you rip apart those things for for God knows how many times. Um, I I've literally since you you signed up to do this podcast, coach. Um, I had one question because I knew you'd been at at Valley the whole time, and then now of course my other co-host Rowdy, he's only been at Broken Arrow. So I've been thinking to this question for literally like a week or two. So it is kind of for both of you guys, you know. W- one, what's it like, you know, to, to play at your alma mater and you go off to college and, and both you guys went to super successful programs and then you come back immediately to that same program? That's my first question is kind of, you know, what, what's it feel like? What's that comfort level? All those, all the, the feels. And then my second question is, what would it ever be like if you guys left that situation and you went someplace else? And have you guys thought about that?
1: Um, you know, when you, it's the biggest thing for me is when I came home, uh, I, you know, thought, all right, this is Valley football. I know what, I know what the coaches are going to be like. I know how, uh, the successful teams carried themselves in practice. So you kind of have that blueprint and then especially coming from Northwest, um, it was a very similar blueprint of how you prepared, how you, um, attacked every drill, every snap, everything. Uh, and so, kind of having those expectations and trying to instill those, um, those values on your, on your athletes was always an important thing for me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that you're always wanting to kind of emulate what worked, you know, what, what, what worked the year that uh, we won a state title in 2005. And then what worked when we won a state title or a national title in 2009. And uh, you look at, just the overall culture of the team you look at uh how and the biggest thing for me is the buy-in uh that's the one carryover between both high school and college was that you had a bunch of men and uh and boys who bought into the coaches they believed them they never questioned them they said all right you know um one of our one of our captains the year that we won our national title in 2009 he had a poem that he read to us called the cold within. And uh, it was this story about these men sitting around a a, a dying fire in the middle of winter and they each had their log and they all came from different backgrounds, rich, poor, black, white, you know, Jew, Gentile. And so the idea, the metaphor for this story is that unless you're willing to throw your log on the fire, we're all going to die. And so that was the big thing going into the playoffs when he kind of gave that to us our big push was throw your log on the fire and so um that's one that I've carried with me for a long time uh, I think that one really hits home that we don't at Valley at Northwest we don't care where you come from just if you're out here to compete we'll, we're happy to have you and you're always going to be our brother um so i think the other thing too is the one thing that was kind of difficult as time goes on um rowdy may be able to speak to this i don't know but Um, when you look, you go away from a program for a while and then you come back and you, you had success, but it maybe wasn't the exact same thing, you know? And then it's like, well, I know these coaches are really good at what they do. And sometimes, you know, it's like, could we be doing stuff different? Does it always have to be the Valley way? Does it always have to be the the Northwest way? Just how can you kind of start to take things from here and there and see what works for your program that year, as opposed to this is how we've always done it. So um that's what i think is some of that so
0: well i think that's a, a you know a great answer I, I think on my part i got um i really just lucked into the job at broken arrow i got extremely lucky dave called me out of the blue as i was um you know working out for the uh you know senior day and and all that stuff in college and and kind of offered me a spot if it if it worked out for me and and that was out of the blue i hadn't talked to dave in 5 6 years uh and so I got the you know I, I didn't make it uh in the NFL and so uh I, I joined on kind of thinking I was going to be an assistant offensive line coach and some things fell through and some people were looking out for me there and and that yeah. year I ended up being the offensive line coach. I'm like, "Oh, it's it, okay." And so um that was uh unbelievable experience for me and and it still is. Um I don't know if it's because it's where I I grew up and lived uh or if it's just um, the actual place that it is, but Broken Arrow to me is, is, you know, one of the, the most perfect setups that, that you could get at least around here. And, and what have I've been around, you know, a, a big city, a six, a, you know, division one, six, a school, but with a very, very small town feel um, you know, I, I know people for known them for 15 years and, and they look out for you and they help us out and we help them out. And then, you know, if If I wasn't good enough, I'd have been fired. So worked my way through it and worked my way into being a a good offensive line coach, hopefully, good enough at least to not be fired yet Um, and and continue to try to get better and better each year. Um, But even then, I had had a lot of guys looking out for me. And I was lucky to have Dave already there. And then Walls was there to teach me. And then, um, you know, we had a guy named uh, Coach Broyles come in and help with the offensive line and, and learn from him. And then, our offense coordinator Jay Wilkinson that's taught me, and so um, I had to do my part and soak it up and work to know it, but um, man, it just ended up being a great place. I don't know that that was because it was where I grew up or if it was just you know luck of the draw of having a great head coach that helps you out and then um, you know uh, you know be a part of a good program. but I think all of that was just has been an exciting thing, and then you know your second part was, have you ever thought about leaving? I would say maybe my year one or two um, you start hearing all these numbers from places in Texas uh, and, and you start and it's not very far away and, and I've got family there and I went to college there and you hear some of these numbers that those guys are making and you've got contacts and they contact you and say look you, you come down here and make you know ten twenty thousand dollars more than you're making right now and, and housing is really not that much more expensive oh and no state income tax. And you're like, all right, ten, twenty thousand, that would get me a, a brand new car, basically, you know, that first year. And what can we do with that? And and it got me excited for a few years. And then I, I think luckily I kinda calmed down. I kind of had my little humbling experiences through life and and um just realized how lucky I was to be where I was. Um and coach Alexander and and the whole broken arrow um schools have looked after me so much and done so much for me from athletic director to principals to, like I said, Dave, uh, and both, you know, when Walls is here and now when Wilkinson's here, they've, you know, done so much. It's almost become a loyalty thing and a thing where I just love where I work and, you know, yes, I, I could still go make uh, and coach at a high level of Texas high school football and, and make more money. But at the end, you know, how much, money is it worth to to uproot your family when they love this place and like get to go to all my kids' stuff and and just all of the setup outside of football is so great and I get to coach really big time high school football. So hadn't been a thing that I've thought of in in probably three years. Um just lucky to to be where I was and and try to try to recognize how how blessed I was and I know that words thrown around probably um, an incredible amount but uh truly was just blessed. It was just a gift uh to be able to to have some of that and, and to finally realize that and just be happy and, and try to grow that program walls.
2: I think it's awesome to hear both of you guys say that. I mean, just it's just so cool to me because again, you know, where where I grew up, you know, our, our football program hadn't had a lot of success. But I still did go back and work at, at my hometown for, for two seasons. And it was one of those deals where you know you could bring some things back, and they hadn't had a, a really good weight program, uh, and and it was really cool for me to to be able to go back, and and I'm sure you guys feel that pride too, but you know kind of help make make your mark on that program and, and leave a legacy, and and since we we kind of in instituted that, it's cool to see your hometown go on, and they've won a bunch of state wrestling titles, and now they've won you know five out of the last six state football titles. Um so i mean it's it's kind of cool to to do some of those things and, and leave that legacy, especially when you have all those memories of of where you grew up and I'm sure you know adam you you've thought the same thing i mean being a a lifetime, lifetime guy in West Des Moines i mean Gary Swenson is the most you know biggest name in West Des Moines i mean even when I was when I was gonna go get a job from Oklahoma, Gary Swenson was the first guy that I sought out, and uh, and and still to this day, I love sitting in his office, like you said. <laughs> I did the same thing, man. I, I cruised up to Iowa and I went straight to that weight room, dude, and I knew well, I'd find him. knew you'd find him there, you know. And and he didn't know me from from anybody else, and he still treated you like you know any any normal person from uh, from West Des Moines or any one of his kids. He was happy to talk to you and say, hey, here's the people you need to get in contact with, and and let's go
1: yeah no absolutely uh and over the years even uh, the short time that I, I consider it short because uh there hasn't been a whole lot of carryover or turnover in our staff even from when I played high school I think we've only had two changes in the last uh you know 10 or 15 years so as, in the short time that I've been there compared to other people you know a lot of people come uh seeking out Coach Swenson, and that's a huge testament to him as it, what he's accomplished as a coach and, uh, and knowing that I can continue to learn from him because I, like anybody else, I have a long ways to go as a coach. Um, I've been very spoiled uh, having another offensive line coach, uh, Coach Scott. He's been another piece of the puzzle for me. Um, there's been some years where we even had three offensive line coaches and that just kind of shows what uh, Coach Swenson's um, his stance on offensive line play and his in his scheme and how he believes that it is you know the foundation for it. So um, I haven't had those those too many uh, times where I was thrown to the wolves and had to be in charge of you know fifteen bodies all by myself and knowing that five of them got to be on the field at the same time. That's you know that's a nightmare. I hope I never have to endure. So um, it's yeah, it's very it's a very fortunate position for me to be in here. So.
0: Yeah. You talk about that and, and, um, you know, there's obviously going to be some schools that, um, they financially or, or for whatever reason, can't get something like that done, but you can really tell, I think how much a, a program or a head coach values that position by how many guys is he willing to staff with that, with that group, you know, if, There's an offensive line of 20 kids and and there's one coach and maybe some guy comes over and helps every once in a while. Well, um, you know, like I said, maybe financial issues, they can't, but you think a certain way. And then if you go to a place like, like your, your school or at Broken Arrow where we've got our head coaches and NFL offensive linemen and uh, I played division one and the guy that coaches them played division two and then our tight ends coaches division two offensive linemen. I mean, um, it kind of, it kind of, tells you know a bunch just by uh how many guys he's they're willing to uh throw at that position and and how important it is to them and what they think about that is as, as far as winning football
1: games yeah absolutely now I. um yeah and in my humble opinion every Every school, if they can have at least one uh, paid position coach and one volunteer on the O line, if there's two guys, I mean that's a great opportunity for those kids, but also an even better opportunity for your for your team. So,
0: yeah, that's what I think. It's helped us out with so much, and and I'm kind of um, curious to see how you guys maybe use uh, the coaches that you have for offensive line. But what it's helped us with is develop some of these younger kids, and and I think people hear me say that and maybe assume that. I, you know, I go with the ones and you got you go with the twos and threes. But really what I mean is now I can take the left side, ones through threes, and I can get them as many reps as possible. Coach Broyles can take the right side and get them as many reps as possible. And in certain weeks when we need to split them up even more, maybe we go centers and tight ends and they go with Coach Wagner. Well, now everybody's getting a bunch of reps um, okay. and, and reps that they need and reps that will be really, really beneficial. You know, another thing that's helped us a bunch with having two offensive line coaches, when, when we go, uh, you know, number one defense against a scout offense, now I can go with that group. Coach Broyles can stay with the one offensive line. Now they're still getting coached, but I'm getting one-on-one time with the twos and threes. And I think it just does – it's just tremendous for their growth and, and getting those young guys prepared and ready to play the next year's.
1: Absolutely. And that goes back to that uh, relationship building that I talked about earlier. Uh, you know, some weeks it is, you know, we're going to go ones with coach for this drill, twos are going to go with this drill, and then we flip flop other weeks, it's, you know, let's go left side here, right side here. Uh, but, you know, it just kind of depends on what we think we need to focus on. Because um, I I do believe that each coach has, you know, we feed off each other very well. Um, we I mean, just like I imagine it, it happens some other places. Sometimes you don't always see eye to eye, but you guys, you guys work through it and um, you make, you do what's for the betterment of the kids. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all about that relationship building of, you know, I see you, uh, you know, third, third man deep at left guard, you know, so it's a good, it's great because then the kids, aren't coming into their junior or senior year thinking that, well, I don't really know coach that well. I don't know if I even belong at this position. So that way, by the time they get to that, you know, right now in that winter time, we got some juniors on our team who, you know, I've spent hours upon hours with them and I can tell you where they need to get better and how they can continue to grow as an individual. And so um, that makes up for a lot of lost time in the off season, because they know where they need to go because of that extra time that we get in practice when we swap through ones to left, right, you know, all that stuff.
2: Coach, you guys, uh, and I'll be honest, in, in our state, I, I don't think anyone runs, um, from what I've seen, the, the wide zone or the outside zone as well as you guys do. Um, and to me, again, you know, you've, you've been in football long enough and you talk to enough people, guys like Alex Gibbs and, and Mike Shanahan and some of them, they'll all tell you that if you're going to be, you know, an outside zone or a wide zone team, you know, that that kind of has to be your play. Is, is that something you guys have kind of uh, adopted? And, uh, you know, and maybe what are some ways that you guys kind of go about, you know, practicing that, instilling that belief, you know, having to be an athlete on the offensive line? Can you just give us a few pointers that you guys do about being, you know, such a dominant wide zone team?
1: Um, you know, uh, wide zone still pretty new to me. I mean, uh, we, I knew zone. Uh, I thought I knew zone. Let me, let me backtrack there. I thought I knew zone, but then when you start listening to six hours of Alex Gibbs and just anything uh, that you can get on it, you just, you just immerse yourself in all of it. And I would say that, um we do quite a bit of different things. We're zone, we're gap. Um, and we try to build all of those. We try to build on all those things, but the biggest thing for us was, um, just that foundation for the zone game of, uh, landmarks and understanding that leverage. And, um, with the wide zone, you know, we always knew it as a true outside zone play. The the running back's going to get on a landmark one yard outside, the tight end and one yard back, and that 's the one place he 's got to go um, and so over the years you know we 've been talking about it, and even we even noticed and acknowledged the fact that well we don 't always hit it outside there we 're always cutting it up sometimes, and so then we talked we we 've kind of talked about well, you know, is that our bread and butter play We would also run it from a handoff where the the running or excuse me the quarterback having a turn and sprint at a at an angle and just it's a race to get there there's been games where we even fumbled the ball because the quarterback couldn't get there fast enough and so um, you know we had to kind of do a little bit of that and it took some convincing but you know the more with the nice part about social media I know Coach Swenson's probably going to be listening to this later, but the uh, nice part about him being on Twitter is he can see all those likes and all those retweets of wide zone that I get to put out there on social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> but with with the wide zone play for us, the biggest thing, and I'll also credit Coach Kadooti, Um you know, last summer, well, I would say was a, was a big growth uh, for, our t- for our program as understanding the wide zone because of some of the cues that he had. Um, that made a whole lot of sense for our kids. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, it's all about landmarks. I will say that he's him as well as Alex Gibbs are all 100% right that you need to buy into it because the fact of the matter is, is that if you could spend your entire 30 minutes and I use 30 minutes very liberally with your individual time, just on, Practice in backside hand placement uh, because it's so difficult for our kids. Even as an uncovered guy, knowing that they have three steps to the to the end of their zone and then they got to climb, you know, it's very very tough. And I think that part of it, as you know, there are sometimes I thought that we could have been a lot better in the wide zone as an offensive line. I credit our running backs and our running back coach for understanding how it works. You know, you get into that landmark, you know, reading your guys. We had uh, we had a pretty good duo of running backs this year who one was uh, stood about 5'9", and he was patient, patient, patient. And then we had another one who was about six one, six two, 6'2", and a bruiser. And they both ran track, and they're going to run track for us again this year. So, um, but, yeah, I think uh, – I don't think my work's done in that – in the wide zone play. I know that we still need to perfect it because I would love t- if we ran more – wide zone week you know we had a fullback who uh was probably the best in the state and i will die on that hill for that kid uh he's a stud <laughs> he's a he's a dude uh harper,
2: harper there's not many guys that, as a fullback that that you would they, they would call routes for him I, I remember you guys you guys beat his first round uh last year and and as a third down he caught they ran like a dig route at 12 yards of the fullback i'm like they just ran a fullback <laughs> dig route dude i've never even seen that it is mean, he is awesome. the kid's a great athlete sca yeah. player
1: yeah uh yeah just i him and so many of other our players who are probably not going to get that shot i w- I really wish that they would because he turned some heads and uh, we even implemented a zone belly play for him this year and against mm-hmm. our against our rivals he They were reading the running back and he slipped by him for sixty yards i mean i mean he was an asset for us, and he he loved to just put his stamp on people. He'd knock them down and then he'd finish it again. He would never go on to the next one. Uh, and there's a couple times in meetings, it's like, Hey, you could have gone got this guy. We're never going to tell you to, to not be physical, but <laughs> so, man. Yeah. But you know, if, if he got a guy twice, I'd be really okay with that. So, I mean, there were so many working parts to, uh, our wide zone play this year. And, uh, just I, I'd also say that um, a lot of teams would try the way that they would try to attack it. They'd try to get us to, they'd try to pinch to the inside with defensive with defensive linemen and defensive ends and try to overload us uh, running it from a bunch set. Uh, the what everyone, what the LA Rams kind of hung their hat on. We did that a couple times, and then when teams would completely shift their defense is over to that side. You know, there was a couple times against some teams we were able to run it back to the weak side and it was, it would balance them back out. So there's a lot of versatility to it. Um, There's also never an end point for when you master that play. Uh, You got so much that you can be working on. It's angles, it's hand placement, head placement um, and communication is the biggest thing by far. So.
0: We kind of fell into to wide zone this year a little bit, too. Um, you know, we're mostly inside zone and power, obviously. And we were really big this year up front, like gigantically big, uh, in my opinion, for a high school. But <laughs> we lost, from the years before, a little bit of athleticism um, at some spots with, with the size. And so uh, our our answer for getting outside in the past has always been pin and pull. We, you know, keep some gap scheme, basically. With pin and pull, we get them out there. but we just didn't have the athletes to do it. So we're looking for different things. We didn't really have a – we had a couple of dynamic tailbacks, but they were all out or hurt. Uh, and we kind of went with this bigger bruiser type kid. And I was like, well, I know we can't run pin and pull. Let's just see what, what outside zone looks like. You know, this is week four or five after we've been beat. And start working it, start working it, start working it. And and I couldn't tell you why, but this kid that's not real fast, but he he could just read outside zone. Uh, and it ended up being a, a wide zone, whatever you want to call it. And – and it ended up being a really, really good play for us um, just because of how well he read it. And, and our guys were big, so we could stay fairly square and, and just run at the angle and, and yeah. let him make plays off of that. It didn't have to be, you know, for whatever reason in my mind, always, maybe before listening to Coach Kaduti, but um, I'd always thought guys need to be real fast and quick to, to run outside zone. Well, we were not – we were probably as slow as we've ever been up front, but we could be really big cut our splits a little bit and we could stay very square and keep people moving. Um, and gave us a bunch of lanes and very rarely did we ever get it outside, but, but kind of cut it up in the natural crease and was really good for us. And, but we were kind of in the same way coach and, and I wish we were better at doing it out of some like 11 personnel or, um, even that we did it a little bit more, um, away from the tight end, but with a fullback, uh, something that we, we had in, but we just, we really didn't do, much of it and, and probably should have there towards the
1: end of the year. Yeah, and you know, honestly, we're kind of the inverse of uh your situation because we found late in the season, we were kind of watching some film and going into the semifinals, uh, we were looking at obviously looking for weaknesses and we came across a pin and pull concept that we really enjoyed. And so it ended up being uh our savior in uh the semifinals and was also pretty pretty good in the in the finals and we kind of tweaked it a little it's just basically front side g play where um if you have your tight end to the strong side you know tackle's going to block down tight end's going to block down guard's going to pull around and uh the one thing that we changed on it though was that we didn't we weren't sure how we wanted the running back to to kind of run his angle or run his downhill angle so we tried it with an outside zone track or a wide zone track and then we eventually. Uh, I decided that we'd run it out of a duo track uh, because we ran duo a couple times, uh, a little bit this year. Um, So he'd press a gap and a lot of the defenses that we played this year, they were, they were peeking at the guards. So if they see guards pull, then they're going to jump outside. Well, that's where the running back has to make him wrong. And if the running, if the linebackers going outside, running backs just sticking it downhill. So it was a damned if you do damned, if you don't, if you're that if you're that play side linebacker. So, um, but yeah, that was pin and pull. We, we got into it late in the season and we're dabbling in it because our defense was getting beat in it uh, quite a bit. So not only did we have to um, get our defense ready for it, we just kind of said, all right, we're going to adopt this because it's a good uh, answer to the wide zone. You know, when teams just try to widen out defensive ends or bring an overhang, uh, a drop uh, linebacker or something like that. So, wide uh, pin and pull, wide zone, those just complement each other very well. Uh, but you ask – you go – you ask any uh, – Coach Winston or anybody, he'll tell you that power was still one of our go-to plays because we, we just love it. We just love to hit people. It was a little bit different this year. It was more – we'd always been vertical with our double teams, but we were always getting that backside linebacker that really just beat us underneath and made the play. So, um most of the time, the tackle in that situation, we tell him to, to almost wide zone step it and hit the hip of the defensive end, try to get those lateral double teams, kind of like what North Dakota State does. Because when you can move, a even in high school, a 295-pound kid and he's moving a gap and a half over, it's really, it's really nice to see. And I know that your kids really, uh, my, my guys really enjoyed watching it too, so.
2: No, you guys did some great things. I was I was going to bring that up, too. I mean, the, the little G play that you guys had run in the the playoffs, I mean, you guys were <laughs> ripping Bettendorf with that. I mean, they, they literally had uh, no answer for it. I, mean, I remember sitting there, we're all watching the game, and I'm just texting everybody, hey, here comes G lead. Hey, here comes G lead. <laughs> hey, here comes G lead. I mean, you guys are just yep. absolutely just, just shredding them. But it's it's cool to have some of those little change-ups. I know, you know uh, – uh, Rowdy's mentioned Coach uh, Alexander a couple times, and we're at Jenks. We'd never run pin pull like ever, as far as I was concerned, or as far as I knew. And in 2012, we're playing Union, and we're kind of looking for that edge. Union had won four in a row, uh, and then the semis. I mean, Dave comes to me like on a Wednesday, he's like, "Hey, you know, what do you what do you think about uh what do you think about us running a little bit of pin pull?" I, I drew up a couple of different ways, and I'm just like saying hallelujah inside because. <laughs> pin pull to me was always kind of one of my favorite plays and you know we'd been a wide zone team for so long just being able to have those those calls and those things to give your kids a little bit of freedom and or be able to you know you stand on the sideline you're seeing the the stunt that they're beating you with whether it's a pirate you know they're playing a guy over the top well, hey you know what let's let's use their slants against them Let's mm-hmm. let's just man block this and let's g it and, and do it there was so many times when I became an offensive line coach that I, I had pulled those lessons learned from from back in the day when those things had changed, just knowing that I wanted to have that flexibility. And then ultimately, once I trusted my guys up front enough, I gave them the flexibility to make those calls. So literally, wide zone for us and pin pull kind of became one and the same because those kids were smart enough to understand what looks are those things going to be the best against.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... It was, I mean, you go back and I've even already tracked it and the amount of times we ran that G lead play, I think we only ran it uh, to our left side probably twice because our right tackle, he's just a big, he was a big old body this year who loved to beat up on people. And against Bettendorf, they have a, they have a, a kid who's a D1 athlete and committed to Iowa playing that three tech position and our right guard was a, a dude who was playing both ways. And so he was he was an all-state defensive end for us, and he was also our right guard. So it's like, how do we combat that? Because we're having a split time, you know, at one individual period that our right guard would go over with D-line another day here. So it's like, how can we make this more effective? And I know that our right tackle, uh, he's he thinks very highly of himself, and he's a big physical dude. <laughs> um, but, you know, for a kid that, you know, he's – he, you know, was licking his chops every time we called that play. And so, and every time we uh, would have, we'd come off on the sidelines after a scoring drive and he's like, coach, let's keep doing it. I'm ready. Let's just go. You know? So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always fun to kind of add those wrinkles in the middle of the season. And part of that, you know, you credit that to the, the coaches being flexible with it, but also, also the athletes, ability to kind of continue to learn on the fly and our football IQ this year was very very good very intelligent group of kids and they all you know they were getting bored with the routine it's like once we started bringing in new stuff it's like here we're going to run pin pull or here we got this new play duo this year or you know let's run belly you know zone belly you know just things like that they're like all right let's do this this sounds great so um, the the boys were hungry this year. I know even even the underclassmen, you know, in those JV games. Hey, coach, can we run this? You know, we haven't ran that at the JV, so probably not. Oh, you know that. Come on, <laughs> coach. So. That's great. Yeah, that that's um. It, it's always
0: kind of that fine line, and and like you said, it probably depends on what what group of kids do you have that year or that couple of years. Uh, is that one you need to keep it simple? Or have they been playing for two or three years? You know, last year, this year for us, we had to keep it somewhat simple. Um, and and they needed a bunch of reps. Where last year we had, a, you know, four or five returners that had started a boatload of games since they were sophomores. And so, uh, like yep. you said, we kind of had to add something every week or every couple weeks just, to, just so they wouldn't get bored and, and fall asleep at practice because they'd done it so many times that, you know, they could go out and, and do that stuff in their sleep.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the fun part as a coach is, you know, you kind of, you kind of have that, that stack of plays and it's like, all right, what are we going to do? What's going to be different or what little tag can we do? You know, do we want to fold block on the backside inside zone? Is that something that these kids can do consistently or do we want to make that a completely individual play on its own or so? Yeah, no, the kids, you know, it's, it's all about what playing to their strengths and, being effective at it and so um yeah we were very fortunate and you know next year is going to be an equally uh intelligent group of kids and we just got to see what we can what we can and can't do so
2: uh run the power we we generally don't get into too many uh pass protection conversations Uh, i'm always going to blame coach harper for that Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Boring, boring right but I know, I mean, luckily in Iowa, and I wouldn't say, you know, it, it's, it's the best, you know, Coach Mack, but I, I would say you agree. It's kind of nice in the summertime to be able to coach your kids. So when we talk about, like, pass protection with offensive linemen, you know, they're not going to let us pad up. They're not going to let us do um, spring ball like they get to do in, o- in Oklahoma. What are some things that maybe you're able to do, and you know, when you don't have the pads on to kind of, you know, I, I know we're not going to sling it. times a game but those times we we do have to drop back and throw it what are some ways we can make sure our quarterback stays upright and we can be efficient in what we're doing
1: a lot of stuff that we do um in the summer now we're it's we're lucky enough that we're provided those you know those optional practices while the seven on seven guys get to do their thing um so so we always start from from square one uh we do a lot of stuff to try and work on our stance and for whatever reason, uh, balance is a big issue for, for high school offensive linemen. Uh, and so we try to kind of work on that and understand uh, that you don't have to put you know 75% of your weight on your hand when you're getting ready to pass blocks – or pass pros, excuse me. So um, I would say that the one thing that we do a lot of is we do a lot of on-air stuff. We use the, uh, the wall balls. We even use the big Swiss balls, um, kind of taking some – trip uh some tips from uh charles bentley and what his people have provided at uh o-line performance uh using the swiss ball as a live uh rep has been pretty good for us understanding the kids that they got to get to their landmark and they got to maintain a low uh pad level by getting bent in their hips and in their knees um and to stop it and so really when we do those um when we do those drills I'll have a kid start um, obviously from a progression we'll have a kid start with a with, with a knee down and he'll drive off his up leg to get into position but up the road once they're in their full stance then what I'll do is I'll bring in the uh the Swiss ball that you know a teammate's going to be at a certain angle and they're going to roll it to him and we got to get to our landmark and we got to stop it with our hand and the reason for using a smaller ball is because then if they're going to bend at the waist to stop it, we know that they're in bad body position. So they got to maintain that bend, that 45 in their knees, and also good hip hip flexion as well. So that's one that I use a lot of because um, you don't want kids running into each other when they don't have pads. And especially in June, excuse me, especially in June, we know that once we get into August, we're going to be hitting each other, you know, hundreds of times in a practice. It's just not smart. It wears on the kids, especially when, uh, Coach Walls, you know how those uh, how those preseason or those pre-district games can be. You always want to go up against the toughest competition. So knowing that we have to manage all that when we get into our our drill work for pre-camp or even during camp, we try to make it as low impact as possible. So we use the we'll kneel on the on the wall balls, the weighted med balls a lot, and we'll drive off our up foot. We'll do that left and right. Um, We'll try to uh, understanding, bringing our elbows in tight. We'll do some holds there where we'll just elbows tucked, you know, holding the wall ball and we'll do sits there for a while, just working on squeezing and generating that torque there. Um, so those are some of the, those are some of the summer ones that we like to do a lot of other times if it's working the hands and stuff like that, um, sometimes tossing a light pad, like you're swinging a baseball bat with a light pad is one that we do to time up. Cause the biggest issue that I've seen with a lot of our kids, and I'm sure that there's other coaches is that for whatever reason, kids don't understand their, their reach. Um, when we tell them that we want contact here, they'll bring the head with it a lot of the times. And uh, we're past the days where, you know, when you get into the regular season, we're past the days where, all right, take your helmet off. We're going to do pass pro. And then if a kid, Gets hit in the eye. Well, you should have kept your head out of it. That was an old school, you know, trick that I had when I was in high school of doing pass pro drills with a helmet off. Not really smart in retrospect, but um, I tell you what, you would learned real fast to get your head out of it. But nowadays, we got to get a little more creative. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's what I think uh, is the toughest, and and I would think that it would be opposite, but it hasn't been for me. And and like I said, I probably just need to to learn some, some better ways to do it, but I've, I've found it fairly simple and easy to find how to get better at run blocking without, without contact, which doesn't Absolutely. sound like that would be the case, but it, mm-hmm. it, it, it is. I mean, at least the way we teach it as far as um, you know, elbows and, and footwork, footwork being the number one most important thing and getting those two steps and where they need to be, to me, that's a, an easy thing to get done without pads. Um, where it's tough is in pass pro Um, now you know those drills that you've talked about are are awesome and and I'm going to steal some of those as well Um, but to me sometimes the toughest part is is a at least talking as a tackle is working with their sets you know and there's just and I don't know why and and I wish I could you know I wish I was better at, at explaining it or knowing how to fix this but you know you get a tackle that's that's setting all off season and he sets beautifully and he does really well and he sets to the spot of a defensive guy you know kind of walking up to a spot and, and he's yeah. so fast back to a spot and you're like all right and his hands are where they need to be and then as soon as pads come on um even though there's no con- even if we did no contact with pads as soon as a fast looking guy is out there at defensive end his set goes crazy he's yeah. laid off the ball his hands are everywhere and you're like what man have i been wasting all my time you know practicing these sets in the off season when when you put someone out there everything changes
1: yep no i it's yeah that <laughs> i just i just think of those reps and watching film and telling our kid you know beef you fall stepped here you know you stepped with your inside for, foot first why you know what's going on there and then we go and we drill it in practice and he'll it'll be it'll be perfect and so um yeah, it's – I don't know if it's that idea that these, these defensive ends are, you know, godly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't – certainly I don't believe that at all because I, I would much rather my kids fear no one. But, uh, right. That's right. But they, but they do. And honestly, when I – I remember playing in the day – or playing back in high school and going up against a couple of different individuals, and it's just like, oh – crap it's you again but uh that's hey that's just part of it you're gonna have that dude that's lined up across from you and so um the the one thing it's yeah it's tough you try to put those sometimes in practice you try to put them in a put your athlete in a and i've spoke about this previously on uh social media with all those uh with all the twitter conversations and stuff like that but trying to put a kid in a negative position to start from in a drill and trying to get them to work out of it is something that I didn't do a lot enough of this year. And I, I think certainly going up against a faster individual, if we wanted to take a linebacker who was just really fast and just having him try to sprint off the ball and just try to get that idea of like, okay, you have your pre-snap depth, you know, get your head in line with the belt of the centers. But when he's in a two point stance, you know, though. Those are, the pre- those are the things that you yourself can control. And then, yeah, defensive ends are just, you know, is he a tight five? Is he a wide nine? Well, you try to drill all of that, but there's just not enough time. And unfortunately for us at our school, and even I'm sure for a lot of schools across the state of Iowa, you know, football is not considered an elective because <laughs> if it was, then maybe we could start talking, breaking it down. Like this is why we need to drive harder. or You know, this is why your set needs to be here. So.
0: Well, yeah. you know, and, and even when you do get to go live, uh, if it's not live with a defensive end, then you're, you're setting your tackle up against a, uh, a, you know, 240 pound offensive lineman. That's a two. I mean, yeah. So you're not really getting much more out of that than you were from, uh, setting on air. So it can be a difficult thing. Um, like you said, uh, not to just keep repeating it, but, um, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. And, and when I played tackle, uh, you know, I was never nervous of a big guy that I was going to have to go run block. I always, you know, had, had a lot of, um, probably too much pride with thinking I was going to kick whoever's ass was there, but, when you put a little, you know, linebacker looking guy at defensive end that looked fast and they knew we were throwing it a bunch, um, the set went to crap at times and, and yeah. it was, it's unbelievable kind of what, what a guy that's not physically imposing at all, you know, I'm like, hey, let's get in a street fight it would be all right. But if I got to go kick back and he's running <laughs> forward, um, <Yeah. laughs> I'm not too excited about that.
1: Yeah. I, no. The, uh, just real fast, I would just say that uh by far the worst part of the day uh as a player and as a coach is doing one on ones so
2: <laughs> so that and that's honestly when i when you talk you guys talk about it i mean it's I, that's what I love listening to the offensive line perspective, and then for me, you know I, coming as a, a wide receiver you know a skinny guy i I didn't know any better none of that stuff so i'm kind of i soak all that stuff up well when when I would do you know coach coach uh God, I can't remember his name. Coach Johnson, the guy who I learned from at Tulsa, you know, he did so many of the, the pass rush scenarios is what he called them. So, you know, he, all right, he's a speed rusher. He's in a wide. He's in this. He's in this. You know, and the guys would do it almost on air. I, I almost kind of took it like, you know what, Coach, I can give him a look. So, it literally, I mean, I would stand out there, and then the guys started liking that when they were like a tackle, and I could, I could just go, hey, I just want you to go, hey, full speed. I want you to just run as fast as you can like you're doing a speed rush. So they could, they could see that visual and then, okay, he's like, all right, here now they, the guy counters with, you know, arm over, move inside, or he counters with the spin. So I, I'd do the, the speed rush and then I'd spin. Well, then I took that when I went to Jenks, like knowing my old ass, I'm not going to be able to do it for very long. So, you know, I could do a few reps, but then we, had, we played the 3-4. I'd always take the outside rush dudes, the rush backers. Right. It's one of the things we have at, at Ankeny now is I always want those guys to go with the tackles and it's just repeat. They don't have to go full hand-to-hand combat, but it's like you guys said, they, they want, they were scared of the speed. I want them to see the speed over and over again. So it's kind of like when I'm driving a car and I'm driving it really, really fast after a while, it doesn't feel like I'm driving that fast. You know, when I get on, when I get on the interstate, like, Oh yeah, geez, I'm going 85. It didn't feel like I'm going 85. So I think one of those things was, was a good thing for me. And I know I got a lot of feedback from some of the tackles. It's like, Coach, the game just slowed down because I had all of those fast, fast, fast reps, and I got to keep seeing that speed, that speed, that speed. And half the time, actually half the time, 25% of the time, we're just getting killed. Yep. But at the same time, you're, you're like, hey, you're going to get better. So you just kind of keep coaching the guys up. Hey, it's a one-on-one. Like you said, Coach, it sucks. The defense is going to win. It's one-on-one. You know, they're jumping the snap count. They know it's pass. Guess what? That's that's how the life kind of works, right? We're, we're we're gonna be behind the eight ball every now and again. I tell you what, I, I felt like guys got a lot better with with, with kind of being able to see that speed and set with that speed.
1: Absolutely, I know. I know even last year's uh, game against Ankeny. I know our left tackle benefited from it immensely. Even though until halfway through the season he was a tight end, but um, even those reps, he he throughout the year was talking about the difference in the speed and outside linebackers in a three, four is tough here in the state of Iowa. You know that because you could probably count on your hand, the number of, of four, a teams that run a three, four, especially with mm-hmm. a tight front. So um, yeah, it's, it's rough speed kills. So especially with the fat boys in Iowa.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's cheating. <laughs> those guys on the outside are cheating, but, um, but there's also, you know, some things that we try to do to obviously to help our guys out. Hopefully on first and second down, you're getting some play actions. You're, running the ball enough at them that, uh, but, but in the, you know, and, and we teach, you know, a little bit of jump sets to our better tackles. Hey, if they're real fast, let's get on them now get hands yeah. on them. And, and, but when it's third and nine, um, it, it doesn't matter. You, there is no tricks that you better be able to be fast and get back there. And and at the very least run them around. So, uh, you know, probably my best coaching points when there are those big fast DNs is, Hey, you better make sure first and second down work. Cause if not, Um, you're in for a long night and nine
1: (laughs) yeah no absolutely agree (laughs) yeah and the jump yeah jump sets have been uh uh, something that we've been new with on our offensive line for pass pro and i think they're great to have and especially with uh sometimes if you have an undersized guy and if it's a three-step drop and you can get it out fast why not get on them quicker
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it works with speed guys, as long as they're not (laughs) wide. If they're going to be a wide speed rusher, uh, you've only got so many options. Maybe you can overset them and and slide to them, let your guard kill them once or twice. But only so much you can do with a wide guy. But if he's a tight, tighter speed guy, you can jump him or show run and get hands on him now. And like you said, if you've got a smaller guard or center, and the the D lineman doesn't have a whole lot of speed, but he's huge and he's going to, he's going to be bull and, and, uh, you know, push pull type guy. Uh, I, I tell all my guards and centers, let's jump those guys too. Let's jump them, not let them get a head start. Um, and, and, you know, if they beat us late, it should take a while for them to beat us late around us. Um, and so the negative is you could get beat right now. Uh, it's going to be a sack, but you're not going to give as much pressure. You're gonna have a cleaner pocket the nine times out of 10 that, that you don't get beat. And you got to, you got to judge that, I tell my guys, on, on what kind of rusher are you going against? Is he a guy that has a good bull, but he also has some good swap by and go? Then then you've got to be careful, or you've got to give some fake hands at times or whatever. But if he's a pure, muscled-up, bull rush guy, hey, let's go get on him now. Let's even show run block and then sit back down into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And that's that accountability piece of the athletes to make sure that they're doing their own film st- film study. Um And just you know, getting to know your opponent that way, you're not figuring taking the first two or three series to get to get a feel for what they're doing. You're not surprised. You know that's that's on the player, and it's it's nice to be able to kind of sometimes play big brother as a coach. And we use we use huddle, but we're able to at least look online and see how often they're looking at stuff. And you know, if a kid spent ten minutes looking at film and he's getting his ass kicked, then we know we know that. What's part of the problem? So,
0: that's right. I, I got some things that you know. All of our stuff, most of it is online with Huddle, but then we've also got some installs and different things that that we do every week. Uh, that we do through, um, like basically a course. I've got them in a in a course uh, through our school. I made my own course, and they're in it, and and I can tell through it too. How, how many times have they looked at it? And and I tell them that exact thing, and I say, "Look, guys, I, I get to see who's who's on it and who's not. If If I look and you haven't been on it in five weeks but you kick everyone's ass and and you never go to the wrong person, you won't hear me say a thing about it. I don't care. You got it and you don't need to go through all that. I'm fine with it. You got it. But um, don't let me have you, you know, MA a a couple times or a couple days in a row and look on it and see you haven't looked at it in a couple weeks because I will lose my mind at that point.
1: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Get them, coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, try to be a little bit fair with it. Or, or I don't know if fair is the right word. But, hey, if you get it done, then, then all right, you got it. But uh, you, you better get it done. Well, coach, kind of coming up on an hour. Um, but the thing I always like to ask, guys, is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach?
1: Um, I'd, You know, I love, I love watching – double teams and how they work and just kind of look how they, the timing of it all. Um, I think every coach is a little bit different. You know, sometimes they're just say you're going to take this track and you're going to run it um, until you go out of bounds. Other guys, they, they have a little more faith in their players. So I love watching double teams and probably uh, for me, when you watch them, one of the more, uh, one of the more beautiful things about offensive line play is when you see, uh, you see a guy pulling on power and it looks like it's pretty dirty and pretty messy. And then the running back just pops out, you know, just completely untouched, unfazed. He's found that gap and he's gone. So uh, just movement. If you if you see them getting for, getting push off the line of scrimmage, you know that's that's a lot of fun for me because I, I think the the feet are what drive the bus, so to speak, with a lot of these guys. And if they can just get on people and just move them with their lower body, it's very impressive. And I think a lot of that. Has to deal with um, how particular the offensive line coach is, but also how they've developed those kids.
2: Coach, man, been a blast having you on. Uh, always, when we get the O line coaches, you know, it takes us back to our roots and we can get back in and, and talk some of the craft. And uh, always been a, a big fan, one of the, the program and then two of the, the job that you do developing your kids. You can really see how hard those kids do play for you and and not only that obviously the uh the technique that that they're they're showing and the way that they finish you know the the question you just answered you know it's impressive for me to see the film and i know that those kids are getting coached up by by you so uh a lot of respect for what uh what you've done so far and uh keep it rolling man
1: oh, i appreciate that I, I gotta give thanks to um Coach Scott, Cole Scott, he's the other offensive line coach that I've been working with. Also, uh, Dave Cochran and uh, everything that he's done for me is is for my career and just kind of giving me that starting spot or that uh, opportunity to just kind of get that groundwork going. And I really appreciate everything that you guys do. Um, I know that certainly in the last, you know, two, three years, offensive line play has In my opinion, it's increased, or at least the awareness of it. And so this community that you guys have created around uh, Run the Power has been fantastic, and I can't wait to see what happens in the future. So thank you guys very much for allowing me to be a part of this.
0: And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast staff. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.